Today's reading is from Matthew 7, verses 15 to 23. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognise them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? I got your message. Likewise, no, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognise them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons? and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Thanks, Robin. Well, good morning. Morning. There are some very challenging passages of Scripture, aren't there? Very challenging passages of Scripture. And I find this to be one. I've wrestled with this over the last week. It's not so much about fruit. It's about false prophets. And Jesus was coming to the end of his Sermon on the Mount. And he's basically saying, be careful. Be careful. You're going to watch out for, um, for false prophets. They're going to be hard to spot because they come in disguise. But you'll recognise them by their fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So far, so good. We watch for the fruit. Now, I want us to ask a question. What would we say was the definition of good fruit? What would we hold up to be good fruit? Well, for me, I come back to the life of Jesus. And I look at the way Jesus uh, walked amongst us, proclaiming salvation, healing the sick, raising the dead performing many miracles, releasing those that were demon-oppressed. And we can see in the life of Jesus a beautifully healthy tree and out of that wonderfully healthy fruit. And we have that same mission. Jesus gave us the same mission to go in and to proclaim salvation, to proclaim the day of the Lord's favour, that his kingdom is here, to release the captives, to release those that were imprisoned. And that's why it's a wonderful thing for us to be praying for Kairos as our team goes in and proclaims the fact that even though these fellows are imprisoned, they can be released. That's good fruit. When we see these men come into that, a testimony that you read out, John, just it just warms your heart, doesn't it? To see God moving, to see that happening so powerfully in this day and age. Jesus left us with his prayer to pray that his will will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that heaven will come to earth and we see glimpses of that as we see miracles even in this day and age, as new life and lives are transformed. We see that 
That is good fruit. We can see that happening. We saw it in the life of Jesus. So let's move on now and come back to that passage of Scripture. Because the fruit that we saw in the life of Jesus, with miracles being performed and people being released of their demon possession, is here in the later part of this, uh, of this passage that was read, deemed to be fruit that is not acceptable and is not good. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. So when the same actions are done by Jesus, it's good fruit. And here, by these people, the same fruit, releasing people, driving out demons, prophecy, is not acceptable. And then we go and have a look at Mark 9, 38 to 41. The picture becomes a little bit more confusing. Because remember the disciples came to Jesus, said, Jesus, teacher, and John said, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. For no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Truly, I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. The whole thing clear to you? Why don't someone pray we can all go home? The old Castro lad said, oils ain't oils. Well, maybe fruit ain't fruit either. Let's dig down deeper. With those apparent contradictions, at least in my mind, maybe it's just me, let's unpack what Jesus is really saying here. The first thing is that there will be false prophets. Jesus said that so clearly. We read about it in all scripture. For such people are false prophets, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. If we go into Peter, the whole of the second uh, of Second Peter chapter 2 is all about false prophets, about deceivers. And Peter wrote that there are also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them in, bringing swift destruction on themselves. We can expect false prophets. And churches are an easy target for false prophets. Why? Because we're places of acceptance. We're places that recognise that we are to welcome people in, people who are different. And we also recognise that God has given to each person who puts their trust in him gifts, gifts to be used for our benefit. And so we open ourselves up for people to come amongst us and to use their gifts, and it opens a way for false teachers to come in. There are three types of false teachers. The Bible tells us there are heretics. They are those who openly teach heresy, obviously things that are opposed to the word of God. There are apostates, those who once believed 
and have now wandered away and are seeking others to come away from the truth of God's word. And then there are the false teachers. We would call them deceivers or false shepherds. And this is a mob that Jesus is really teaching about this passage. They're very hard to spot, he says. They're like wolves in sheep clothing. So the heretics and the apostates are easy to spot. If I got up here today and I said that Jesus wasn't the way to salvation, if I said that Jesus wasn't God, I'm hoping someone would hop up out of their seat and come and say, listen, you better sit down now. This is not what the scriptures say. The words of a heretic are very open to be recognised by all. But when it comes to wolves in sheep's clothing, it's a lot harder. Why? Because the wolves exploit our sincere desire for a greater understanding and connection. Wolves will come amongst us and exploit that, exploit that desire. We are called to have a deeper desire to grow in Christ. That's what, that's what our journey with Jesus is. It's not a once-only experience with God. It's a continual experience with God. Our son Daniel went over to the UK to live for two years and uh, when he was over there, he went to Holy Trinity Brompton, HTB, great church. And he was only just in the church, he started the Alpha, did his Alpha course, um, which is a great encouragement to him. Then he got into a small group and then he linked up with a fellow called Sam. And Sam was another fellow that was new to HTB. He'd gone to the Alpha course and he started in a small group. And Sam and Daniel used to go and kick out, uh, kick a football around in Hyde Park at different times. And one day, he <coughs> said to Daniel, hey, Daniel, um, you're interested in getting into another Bible study. Not to leave the one that you're in, but to get into another Bible study and seek to understand more about the truth of God's Word, really to go deeper. He said, I, I've, I've been talking to a fella um, called Justin, and he's uh, got some information about this. So Daniel went off, and he and Sam met down at a place called Canary Wharf, and they talked about this. And Justin spoke uh, glowingly about his relationship with God, the way God had led him from South Africa to come to England, and the passion that God had given him to see people grow in their faith. And part of that was to establish these uh, Bible study groups. And so Daniel thought about it, and he walked away from this meeting he'd had with Sam and Justin, and he went back and he said, oh, look, I'll, I'll think about it. The next Sunday, Nicky Gumbel, the lead pastor of HTB, who doesn't often preach, now he's um, that's handed on to different people, he visited each of the campuses and he got up and he said, I want to warn people here about a sect that is infiltrating HTB campuses and other, and other evangelical churches in London. It's a sect called Paracristo. And he said it's part of a cult called Shingyonshi. And we'll see... Uh, Shingyonshi, we've got a picture of um, Mr. Shingyonshi here. His name is uh, Man He Lee. But anyway, Nicky Gumbel warned about this and he said, the front man here in London is a fellow called Justin. If you've been talking to Justin recently, we'd like you to come down and speak to some of our leaders. So Daniel went down and uh, spoke to him. And uh, this, this cult that was going through there, Engage with young people to go deeper. It was all around the, the deception, if you like, of coming and understanding more about God's word. And yet what these young people were then um, finding is that they were called to withdraw, obviously, from their other Bible study groups, um, to alienate themselves from their family, even to drop out of their university courses and their work. 
and just to become followers of Manhead Lee. It was said that one HTB couple didn't realise what they were a part of until they had travelled across to Korea, apparently for more in-depth Bible studies, but they found themselves among 60,000 people that were bowing down and worshipping this man. This man, Shingyonshi. Wolves in sheep's clothing. And that as, as uh, this man, he Lee, was interviewed, I read an interview, he said, Shingyonshi is the only path to God. There is only one shepherd who is with Jesus and God, and he sends the words of Jesus in heaven. You have to meet the shepherd. Talking about himself. You have to meet the shepherd. Now, had Daniel not heard that announcement at HDB on that day, he's not sure how deeply he would have gone into that because he has a passion, like we all should, to understand more about the Scriptures. The whole process was so smooth, was so ordinary, and yet so scary. So he tried to ring up Sam, as did other people in his Bible study group, to ring up Sam. No answer from Sam. So they don't even know if Sam was a plant from this cult or whether Sam was now so entrenched, because he'd been meeting with Justin before that, that he was now part of the cult and cut ties with people who knew what he was up to. So the wolves exploit our desire to have a deeper experience and understanding. The wolves also exploit our desire for a deeper experience, experiential um, process with God. The gospel was taken to the Solomon Islands on the back of the uh, sugarcane uh, slave workers um, that were up there around Bundaberg in Queensland. And different denominations planted uh, churches back in the Solomons, and one of those was a Methodist church. Methodist church went around uh, New Georgia in the western province. And they planted at a place called Munda, which is right near where Elliot Saragamo grew up, just across the lagoon. And I jokingly said when Elliot and Sarah lived with us, I'm glad I didn't come to your village 120 years ago. Elliot and Sarah, you would have eaten me. They were villages of, of uh, headhunters. And Sarah told me that she wasn't born then, but she didn't say that I wasn't born 120 years ago. <laughs> so I don't know what that quite meant. Um, but anyway, this is their village. And so the Methodists went in there and they, and they started with coconut plantations for financial support. They ran a hospital with schools the usual, usual things that missions are engaged with. And then they started to find these young indigenous Solomon Islanders wanted to know more about the scriptures. They had a passion to preach. And they had some very capable young men. And one of those was a bloke called Silas Eto. And Silas Eto had a deep passion for God and he started to have dreams and revelations, visions about God and from God. And in 1957, after an angel appeared to him, he was instructed to go and to, and to build a complete new village, a village to be called Paradise. And so he took off and he built this village and everyone came with him. It was completed in 1960 and it was a unique village. It was said that when it was completed, it had the largest leaf house structure in the whole of the Solomon Islands. It was a, a, an amazing construction. As all the, the um, indigenous Solomon Islanders got there and they they built not only their houses, but their church. And in paradise, they planted uh, cocoa, rice, and cash crops. That was for their, and they all farmed this communally. And there were miracles reported at that time. A lot of visions and a lot of miracles. It was said that that whole village was illness-free for over two years. 
And then there was growing tension between the Methodist Church, as you can understand, and Silas Edo and his group, with all these visions happening and the, and the mainline Methodist Church. And, and anyway, um, in the end, Silas broke away. And he formed in uh, 1964 what was the Christian Fellowship Church, CFC, which still operates today. Actually, today it's the fifth largest um, faith gathering the Solomons. 30,000 people in 50 different villages. But as they started to have these visions and things, some of the people had a vision of Silas Eto, his spirit being with God's spirit in the heavenlies. And from that time on, they called him the Holy Mama. And then, and we've got a picture of, uh, of Silas, or the Holy Mama. And uh, from that time, any time they prayed, the people would pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the Holy Mum. He was adopted as a fourth member of the Godhead. And today some would say that there are five members of the Godhead um, in the Christian Fellowship Church. That's their belief. His son, called the Divine Authority, took his place. Now both the Holy Mama and the Divine Authority, spiritual authority, Spiritual authority died in 2014. And this is what happens when people go for this deeper experience of God. Signs and wonders are wonderful. I believe that God moves in that way today. And I believe that all the gifts of the Spirit um, are available today as they were back in the days of the Apostles. But what then happens is we've got to be careful we don't get down a path where we start to elevate a man Instead of recognising there is one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I've actually spoken to the Holy Mother's other son, not the spiritual authority, but his other son who was Deputy Prime Minister of the Solomons at one stage. He's, he's uh, had meals at our place, Joe Dudley Talsinger, and he knew how far that denomination had gone away from the truth of God's word. But he also described his father as the most spiritual man he'd ever seen. He was a man that seemed to float. You know, he had this spiritual presence about him. There was something special about this Silas Eto and his way that he could uh, speak to God and relate with people. But it's overstepped the mark. Way overstepped the mark. To be, to be viewed as a, another member of the Godhead. And that's the problem when wolves get in. So how can I recognise and protect myself? It's all great to see these pictures. We know these things are going on all around the world. But how can we protect ourselves from false prophets? Well, firstly, know what you believe. I mean, that sounds like an obvious statement, doesn't it? Know what you believe. But um, when you um, see the results of this survey by George Barner in the United States, you'll see <coughs> how much we need to improve our knowledge of what we believe. Can you believe that? 48%, these are Christians, self-progressed Christians in the United States. 48% could not name the four Gospels. 52% could not identify more than two or three of Jesus' disciples. 60% of American Christians couldn't name five of the Ten Commandments. When asking graduating high school born-again Christians, over 50% thought Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. 61% mm. thought the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. 
And 71% think that God helps those who help themselves, the Bible does. I mean, that's America. I don't know what the statistics are in Australia. Okay? I would hope they're not that bad, but the reality is I don't think we know our Bible as well as we should. And so when a false prophet comes amongst us, do we really know what we believe? I can recommend two great books, Basic Christianity by John Stott, and also Know What You Believe by Paul Little. If you're wanting to, to make sure that you're armed when someone comes with the different information, they're two great books. Then we need to compare Scripture with Scripture. Not just to know what we believe there, but then come back to the Scriptures. Uh, William Miller had his roots in the Baptist movement, um, also in the Seventh-day Adventists and the JWs in the mid-1800s. He moved around a little bit. Um, and he predicted that Christ would return. He first predicted that Christ would return in, 19, in 1842, and then he revised his date to 1843 when that didn't happen, then another date in 1844, and that still didn't happen. So the last date, the final date in, 18, in 1844, the second one, which is in uh, October, October the 2nd, and you would have thought that all his followers would have got, a, got sick of it by then, but he had 3,500 people that gathered with him at the Boston Advent Temple, and they were, all, they were all ready. And they all got themselves dressed in their beautiful white ascension robes that said that some had even dug open fresh graves, but I think that has been refuted as a bit of a, um, a, bit of a furphy, um, a, an old wives' tale. Um, tale. But anyway, they were certainly in their white ascension robes waiting for Jesus to come again. Now, I believe Jesus is coming again. Don't get me wrong. Jesus is coming again. I'll look forward to that day. But the scriptures say no one knows the day or the hour when the Son of Man is going to come. And so for people to get carried away when someone comes and says this is what's going to happen, we've got to come back to the scriptures. That's why we need to read our Bibles and engage in our Bible study groups. And my mum's 94. And she loved still to study uh, the Bible. At the start of the year, the JWs came and knocked on her door. And uh, two lovely ladies. So mum didn't want to turn them away, so she invited them in and a cup of tea. And can you believe, basically since the start of the year to now, she still meets with these ladies. Actually, mum's in the Hills Private Hospital, and they visited her there and brought her flowers this week. They've got a great relationship, but they're like three lovers, if you like. And I use... They're not um, lovers, but um, they're like three good friends that break off the relationship every now and again when they get totally frustrated that the other party is not going to understand where they're coming from or accept their way of thinking. But mum keeps going. She says, they must understand that Jesus is God. They can't accept that. And they, the Holy Spirit, they say the Holy Spirit is just a force. They don't understand the thrill of having a comforter and an advocate. And a friend that, that lives within me and walks with me. I can't stop meeting with them. I can't stop meeting with them. And so anyway, the, the other ladies obviously don't mind it because they that's part of their good deeds. It's part of the way they're going to be accepted by God. And so will you join with me in praying that, that those meetings that mum has, her eyes will be open to see the truth of God's word. But what I love is the fact that even though mum's walked with Jesus since she was eight, and responded in a Sunday school ministry when she was eight, she still wants to go into the Word of God and to look at new ways of communicating the truth of God's Word. We need to keep coming back 
to the word of God. And then we need to examine the fruit. When we're talking about false prophets, examine the fruit. The reason the miracles that were recorded for us in verse 23 were not acceptable to Jesus because the fruit was corrupt. It was a cheap imitation. It obviously wasn't flowing out of a transformed heart and a relationship with a living God. Yes, we can achieve things in our own name. Yeah, there are things that do happen. There are counterfeits that Satan will, will per perpetrate and perpetuate. He is the father of lies and he is the deceiver. But the truth or the fruit that we need to produce needs to flow out of a relationship with the living God, where our lives are transformed, where the fruit that flows, flows out of our love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control where our lives do mirror the Beatitudes, where we live those out. We're a people that walk, as Steve said last week, through the narrow way, not the broad way. We go the extra mile. That's what flows out of us. Our fruit, we need to examine the fruit. And to do that, for you and me, how can we ensure that our fruit is good fruit by staying connected to the vine? Now, the tragedy is that these people that we've looked at the, the man he Lee and the holy mama and that others would have started off their life walking with Jesus. Somewhere along the line, there was a disconnection from the true vine. We need to stay connected. We need to stay connected. Jesus said, I am the true vine, in John 15, verse 1. And then in verse 5 to 8, John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done to you, done for you. This is to my Father's glory to bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we do want to praise you and thank you that you want to come into our lives and transform us and to use us to do the works that we saw lived out by Jesus. Father, we want to be people who proudly and boldly Proclaim your message. We want to be people who are engaged in seeing captives and oppressed people released. Father, we want to see people um, released from their illnesses, healed of their diseases. Father, we want to be people who proclaim your kingdom is here and is going to be fulfilled when you come again. That's the truth of your word. And Father, we ask that our lives might be transformed so that the fruit of our lives might be something that is indeed a wonderful, something that is helping and something that other people benefit from. Father, we ask also that you give us eyes to see behind the masquerades and the, uh, and the battles of the enemy, that Father, you would, that you would give us ways of being able to communicate your word in new and exciting ways. We thank you. We thank you for who you are and for your presence in us. In Jesus' name. Amen.